This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. Welcome to the Be Here Now Network guest podcast. This series features talks from a myriad of modern spiritual teachers expanding on how we can all live a life in balance. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash guest. Hello, everyone. This is Nina Rao, guest podcaster on the Be Here Now Network. I'd like to welcome you to listening to this recording of a virtual gathering we had online for the anniversary of Neem Karoli Baba's Mahasamadhi in September 2020. We wanted to hear and share the stories of Neem Karoli Baba as told by our elders Mirabai Bush, Parvati Marcus and Radha Baum. I hope that you will enjoy it and receive so much of the blessings that come from the telling of the stories of saints. For anyone who'd like to make a contribution, the women in this recording requested that anybody please support their local food bank. Thanks so much for joining, and we're so happy to have you with us. Enjoy, and if you have any questions, you know where to find me, ninaraochant.com. Thank you. Nishkalam paramam kalam Vishveshwari vishwamatam Chandikam pranamam yaham Sarvadevamayim devim Sarvaroga bhayapaham Brahmesha vishnu namitam Pranamami Sadashivam Vindhyastham Vindhyanilayam Divyasthana Nivashinim Yoginim Yoga Jananim Chandikam Pranamamyaham Ishanamataram Devim Ishwarim Ishwara Priyam Pranatosmi Sada Durgam Samsara Navatarinim Shri Majay Majay Jay Ma 
So, <clears throat> welcome everybody. This day has taken quite a while to get here. Um, this would have been what we would be experiencing as Bandara weekend. Uh, that we've been all gathering together in various parts of the country. Some, some places earlier, some places later, but for us in the Northeast, it would have been this weekend. And a long time ago, when we realized during the quarantine that we would not be able to get together, um, my friend Ganga, uh, Brooke, and I were talking. And um, at that time, we thought, oh, this wouldn't it be a great time for us, you know, to get together and hear the women's stories, the women who were with Maharaji, our elders that we love to hear stories from. And so that's how this event came about. Um, I thought we would do it online. We all appreciate hearing stories of the Guru because as we know, it helps us. We take away a lot. There's a transmission that happens with the telling of the stories and our listening. So we've come together this way in a satsang, all the streams of the rivers meeting. And um, I'm very grateful that we're able to do this together. Thank you, Mirabai Bush. Parvati Marcus and Radha Baum. Um, can one of you just tell us a little bit about Maharaji's Mahasamadhi day at, or weekend or series of days and why it's a why it's a big event for us to come together? It's always a, a time to get together and tell Maharaji stories. But um, I mean, I remember when we were living up in the farm, this is 1973, in Canada, and we got a phone call from Ramdas telling us that Maharaji had left his body. And within hours and within the next day, I mean, I think there were like 30 of us that gathered in New Hampshire because, you know, those of us that were in that area at that time, because we needed to come together. We needed to, to be with each other. We needed to, you know, laugh and cry and tell our stories. And, you know, within a couple of days, 27 of us were on a jumbo jet together flying to India and arriving while the ashes were still warm. So uh, that's what Mahasamadhi always brings up for me. When we found out, I don't remember whether we got a telegram or a phone call or whatever it was. We left immediately to go up to New Hampshire and same thing that Parvati was talking about, that it's, we just felt it was really important for us to get together and we needed to be with each other. And it was, it was very, for me, it was very sad. And, uh, but at the same time, it felt so important to be with other people so that we could grieve, talk about it, what we were going to do. Nobody expected this. We just never thought that this would happen. It just, this is not possible. <laughs> and it did. And um, so we got on a plane and a lot of us just did not want to live without him. We were so attached to that that form, that body, and 
could not imagine life without him. And if there was ever a time, a guaranteed, guaranteed plane was not going to crash, it was that one. <laughs> and it didn't. And anyway, we arrived at, uh, went to, it was in Brindavan where this funeral was, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, that was a whole other meeting where we met Sidi Ma for the first time. We had no idea about her. Maharaji kept her hidden. Uh, people ask me why. <laughs> How can I say what, why Maharaji did anything? But anyway, it was such a gift to us. And she was so wonderful and warm and welcoming. And she was crying and we were crying and hugging. And uh, it was very powerful being together and for something like this is celebrating his life, but just to be with the satsang was very important. I don't remember if you were there, Mirabai. I, um, I was in New Hampshire, but I was not, uh, I didn't go to India. I had a baby then, and so didn't jump on. I, <laughs> Parvati, I love that you called it a jumbo jet. I don't think I've heard that expression in a lot of years. Well, back then, that's what it was. I know. <laughs> but I do remember, I was, with, I was at my mother's house in New Jersey when we heard. And, uh, you know, we had we don't been back a, a year, I guess. And um, Maharaji had so utterly changed our lives. He was so important to us. And I remember that I hung up and I told my mother that he had died. And she said, she said, oh, dear, I'm so sorry. I know you were very fond of him. <laughs> it was such an understatement. At the time. It was so great. Yeah. And then we went to New Hampshire. Hey, um, why don't we roll back uh, the clock a little bit? since this is the starting point. You will go back a little bit further and um, tell me one of the questions that people ask all the time is what was your, you've obviously heard about Maharaji before you got to India, I think. Um, and how was it when you had your first darshan? Okay, I'll start. Um, I'll go back. I had never, I had never heard of Maharaji before. I left for India. I had never heard of Ramdas before I went to India. I um, uh, had been in graduate school. Uh, I'd been, it was a time in this country that was so chaotic, which, uh, you know, these times we're in now, it remind us of, of those times. Lots of, uh, I was very involved in um, both civil rights and anti-war work and I was teaching on a campus and it was completely chaotic at the time. Finally, the police took over the campus. Uh, and um, so with my partner then, Krishna, we um, decided to just travel and see, um, see if there was a way of being in the world that was uh, made more sense than what was going on in this country at the time. So we took a bus overland from, um, from Europe through the Middle East and uh, into India. And um, I, I think 
uh, on the way, the bus we were on broke down. We got on this bus, which was this fabulous Mercedes bus. We later found out the other buses going overland were all very funky. I mean, they were almost like school buses, you know. And um, this one was really sleek. And it turned out that Dwarka and Tenny, who had come from Llama Foundation, where they had worked on the original Be Here Now, um, were on that bus. And uh, it, they told us about Ron Dice. We later found out that um, this bus was as nice as it was because Gino, the uh, driver who's in the picture there, um, had that the, the panels on the outside of the bus came off. And at, when it went back to Europe, it was lined with hash. But <laughs> we didn't know it at the time. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I got to India. I had no idea why really just just searching i had seen a um i'd seen a tanka that some uh friends in graduate school had gone and they had met with kala rinpoche and they came home with a tanka and i remember thinking remember thinking somebody there knows something that i want to know i didn't know so we started out. But on this first day I was in Delhi, I met Sharon Salzberg on the street. Um, she and I had been at the same school, but we didn't know each other there. But we saw each other on the street, started talking, and she told me about a course that was being taught, a meditation course that was being taught for the first time for Westerners, and it was in Bodh Gaya. And um, so we thought, why not? And uh, went went there and uh, it turned out uh, Ram Das was there, Krishna Das, Ramashwar Das, and as well as Sharon and Joseph Goldstein and Wes Nisker and some other, many people who became teachers when they came back to this country. And Ram Das, and um, we, we sat this 10 day course, I had never meditated ever. Um, and we sat from like five in the morning till 10 at night. And um, we, after the first 10 days, we uh, were, we loved it. Of course, it was really difficult. And of course, we wanted to climb over the walls many times. But we, we loved it. And uh, we, I mean, I began to see real possibilities for awakening to a kind of wisdom that I had no idea you could access by looking inside yourself. And uh, so the teacher was Goenka, and he was a Burmese uh, Buddhist. He'd been a businessman, and now he was teaching meditation. And um, we asked him if he would teach another one, and he did. And then I think, I think there were three or four, I can't remember. And at the end of it, um, Ramdas wanted to go searching for Maharaji. He didn't know where he was, and um, he, but he had promised Swami Muktananda that he'd meet him in Delhi um, to do a Shivaratra chant, an all-night Shiva chant. And so we got in the bus, and we were heading to Delhi, and um, Danny Goldman was with us, and he said, he had 
I don't know if he had snuck out of the monastery or it was in between courses, but he had gone to where the Kumbh Mela, this great gathering of millions of people, sacred gathering of millions of people uh, in Allahabad had happened that year. He'd gone to the Mela, but when at the time that we were traveling, uh, the Mela was over, but Danny said, you just have to see the place. It's so amazing. And Rondas kept not wanting to go. He wanted to go directly to Delhi. Um, but Danny said, you have to see this. So eventually Rondas um, agreed. And uh, we went to Allahabad. And uh, as we d were driving into town, Many of you have heard this story, I'm sure. As we were driving into town, um, slowly, Ramesh, and um, well, we had one child with us. You can see her in the picture. Uh, and uh, I think she was sitting with Ramesh, but anyhow, he said, look, there's Maharaji. What? <laughs> Impossible. I had just re read the part in Be Here Now where, where Ramdas talks about how it's impossible to find Maharaji. If, you know, if he wants you to be there, he'll be there. But there's no sense in looking for him anywhere. And there he was, standing in front of a Hanuman temple. And it was, remember that we've been meditating now for two or three months. And so we were in a zone. And... Uh, <laughs> And there he was. And everybody tumbled out of the bus. And uh, I was one of the last uh, to get out of the bus. And, you know, I had been a, I'd been a PhD student. I had grown up in New York. I never thought I would, you know, uh, meet a guru or that I really would want one. Uh, Galanka kept telling us in the tradition of Vipassana, Southern Buddhism, that um, you don't need a guru. All you need is a spiritual friend who's a little further along on the path than you are um, to teach you the practice. And the practice will teach you what you need to know. And he, he was the first spiritual teacher I'd had, and I believed him. Um, so when I saw Maharaji, it was just I was completely unprepared. I went down the stairs of the bus and I saw him. And I, I've never known how to explain it. I just, uh, I just fell down at his feet. I, I, he, later, I, I mean, I thought he so embodied everything that I had glimpsed through doing these practices during these months in the monastery. Um, I just like had tiny glimpses of what we can be as humans on this planet. And there he was, and he seemed to entirely be that and beaming it. And uh, yeah, that was the beginning. The famous bus story. <laughs> Mine's the famous photo story, <laughs> which is that I first met Maharaji in his photograph before I went to India. I had been um, hanging out uh, with a group of hippies in New Hampshire on a farm, uh, and somebody had, 
you know, drop little orange pills on our plate after dinner one night. And I took my first dose of orange sunshine and it had an extraordinary experience of oneness. And as I came down, somebody handed me the Tibetan book of the dead. And I spent the next days going through it and going, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Just what happened. And a couple of weeks later, I was at my cousin's who lived in Vermont. He was a teacher at Goddard, which was sort of the hippie college there. And I went to a party with him and some guy said, hey, you want to go meet a saint? <laughs> so uh, three weeks before, I would have said, you're crazy. They don't exist. But I had taken that acid trip and thought, well, anything's possible. Okay, let's go. So the next day, we drove up the driveway of Ram Dass's father's farm in New Hampshire, and he was standing at the front door wearing his white dress and his long hair, doing his beads, and all I could see was light coming from him, and I was straight. I hadn't smoked. I hadn't dropped anything, <laughs> and uh, I moved in the next day to the farm, to a tent. I had met all these people, all these strange people walking around. Jeff and Jim and Leslie and these people who became, you know, Krishna Das and Ramesh and Radha. And there were maybe a dozen people there at the time. And everyone I met, I said, who are you? Why do I know you? Where did you go to school? Where did you go to camp? Why do I know you? <laughs> anyway, I could tell I had found my tribe, even though they were all very strange, walking around going, namaste. <laughs> Didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Anyway, I became Ram Dass's secretary, answered his email. At the end of that summer, snail mail, pardon me, not email, back then. At the end of the summer, I uh, was with a friend, and um, we had taken some acid. And the next day, I still wasn't down, and I was getting scared. And I had this little picture that Ram Dass had given me of Maharaji and my little wooden beads that he had given me. And I um, sat in front of the picture going, I'm scared and you've got to help me. I'm scared and you've got to help me. And the picture dissolved in blue light and I saw Maharaji and I was able to go through the trip and everything was fine. Got a much bigger picture of him, talked to it all the time. Never told anybody. You just didn't tell people. You talked to pictures back then. <laughs> so when I finally got to India, yeah, a year and a half later, two years later, and I uh, finally got to Maharaji, or well, I finally got to Nanital. And Radha and I had just been through really severe hepatitis for like six weeks. We were both really sick. We were just better at the point where uh, Maharaji came back to Kenshi. And uh, suddenly in the beginning, here it was, I, I have the date right here, <laughs> November se uh, excuse, September 7th. Uh, we piled into Ram Dass's red VW bus with the red check curtains and went to Kenshi. You know, washed our fruit, took our shoes off, went into the temple, and met Maharaji. And uh, I had spent time with other, quote, saints, avatars, <laughs> Sai Baba, Muktananda, and always felt like something was wrong with me, like I couldn't open my heart. 
I must must be something wrong. I couldn't bow at their feet. I, I couldn't do that. It just didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. As soon as I saw Maharaji, that was it. There was no question. There was no having to surrender. It just was. It was what it was. And he he spent a lot of time talking to me. I mean, he really, you know, he told me, uh, he asked my name. He had me pass around apple slices. He, he you know, you know, told me that I had been sick in the hotel, that I eat too many sweets. And uh, then he handed me an entire cardboard box of halva, which is nothing but sugar and grease <laughs> dripping through the cardboard. <laughs> this is as soon as he told me not to eat sweets. Uh, and then he looked at me and he said, you used to talk to my picture all the time. He said, you asked many questions. Totally letting me know that, yes, he had been in that picture and he had been hearing me all that time. Radha? My experience was a little different. <laughs> okay. Um, as Parvati said, uh, we were both sick. Um, I had hepatitis. It was really, I almost died. I had 107 fever and was on my way out. But uh, Mohan went out, and just when we were in, we had to, we were on a plane um, coming from Sai Baba's to Bombay. That was called Bombay. That was called Bombay in those days to see Swami Muktananda, who I'd been very close to. But on the plane, my I had fever that was 105, and we just knew we had to get to a hotel. And um, anyway. Mohan found a doctor and uh, slowly recovered, but it was a long, long recovery and went through a very dark time. This is during the monsoon in Bombay when there was nothing, like there was no air conditioning. There was a fan that was going round and round. It rained every single day. I was, the doctor put me on a diet of cornflakes and sugar because that was the only thing that I could eat that wasn't Indian food that was full of fat and bad for the liver and spices. And um, anyway, I went into a very dark place, which was I felt very discouraged because I had been with Swami Muktananda, Sai Baba, and a, quite a few other um, so called saints. and. Um, nothing happened to me inside. A lot of things happened when I was with them, but when I needed to have something that was for real inside that was helping me, like during this dark time, there was nothing there. I was miserable. And I felt like I didn't really believe in any of this anymore. I started getting very uh, negative about my whole trip about this about what I called the spirituality. I felt like there was no such thing as a real guru. I thought that Ramdas really made up the story about Maharaji exaggerated. And I felt the only one who could be my guru was Jesus Christ, who was not in a body. And I got a letter from Parvati. The word gets out about anything that happens. And she was at that at that time she was staying at the Evelyn Hotel in Nanital, and she said in her letter, 
why don't you come up here and we can recover together? And she said, Maharaji's blanket covers these hills. And it was such a beautiful, soothing image to me. I said, okay, you know, why don't we go there? So when I was able to travel, um, we went up to Nainital. Mohan went up to Kasani to be with Ramdas and the boys. And there were some ladies there too, I guess, that were doing a meditation retreat. And Parvi and I were recovering and we were eating different kind of food than what I was used to. Radish, what's it called? Radish beef juice. <laughs> Not tasty. <laughs> but anyway, there was one day, and I don't remember who it was, but somebody had brought in, uh, came to visit us and brought some pot with, uh, with them. And Harvey and I were smoking. And this is the first, we were well enough to be able to take something that was not the healthiest thing for your liver, but it was enough time we felt. And I was smoking and I, I felt really good. I said, wow, you know, I feel happy for the first time in so long. And then we decided that we could go shopping. So we went out, we went shopping, we went to the movies and we had such a good, a good time. I was so happy. I said, the hell with this whole spiritual trip. I said, I'm going to be a worldly person. I made a vow. I'm going to be a worldly person, smoke dope, go shopping, go to the movies. And I don't care what anybody thinks because the spiritual path got me nowhere. I'm still the same miserable person inside. And when I made that decision, somehow there's a woman an Indian woman came running up to us. We were on the street at that point. She said that Mohan, well, she said Ramdas, Mohan, some other people had been to Kenchi and had Maharaji's darshan. And Parvati and I got into a rickshaw and went right back to the hotel. And there was Mohan who was like, oh, Maharaji. Oh, you know, he was gaga, Maharaji, madly in love with Maharaji. And he told me something that happened with him. And he just loved Maharaji so much. And I was really upset because I had made a vow. I changed my whole being. Like I, I was not interested in this spiritual path anymore. And here was my husband who was going the opposite way that I was. Not only that, but he said, that he thought that we should sleep in different rooms because it was like I wasn't pure enough to be with him or something. And I was like, what? I was furious. And we had a big fight. And I was, I was just very, very angry and, and upset about the whole thing. Um, the next day we go to Maharaji. I, I just didn't even really want to go. I, was, I, I stayed in the back of the line, the Darshan line that was there. And Ramdas was, she's shaking and he was showing us what to do with these apples that we had. We washed them off and then you polish it, polish it off and you present it to Maharaji. And um, I'm just like, oh, uh, not happy. So it comes my turn. First Mohan is before me and Maharaji's patting him on the head. You're a saint. You're a saint. And he looks at me and he says, and you? He says, you have a lot of anger. and I was bursting inside, furious. What's he telling me that I've got all this anger for? He's the one that's got the bad temper. What kind of anger is he saying that I have? I don't have that kind of anger. Why is he saying this to me? But on the outside, I was smiling, trying to be nice and polite and saying 
Yes, you know, Maharaji. And then Maharaji proceeds to tell us about exactly what happened the night before in this fight that we had, this argument that Mohan and I had. And the translator was, uh, he, he was struggling to even say like what went on there. But I was, and he went detail by detail by detail about what happened, but I was not impressed because Ramdas told us that spiritual powers or cities are part of the spiritual path and that you shouldn't get distracted by them. Plus, we had just been at Sai Baba's, who's manifesting things, and I, I wasn't impressed with that either. It was just, I don't know, it just was not my thing. Um, and then what I really felt was that I thought that KK was sitting, I actually thought this, that KK was sitting outside our door, and that he heard everything that happened in this argument and went back and told Maharaji. That's where my head was at in those days. But anyway, I thought, so I, he was, Maharaj was very nice. And that's what I thought about him. I thought he's really nice. He's very sweet. And he had this sweet smile and giggle. Ha ha ha. Very high pitched. And he was a love. But um, as far as like having this overwhelming feeling of love toward him, I did not have it. That was my first darshan with Maharaji. Oh, for two days. Something. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Then he said, uh, he asked if he had, if I had a picture of him. And I said, no. And he asked Ramdas if he had pictures of him. And Ramdas had a bunch of pictures, which he gave to Maharaji. Maharaji very carefully looked through all of them. And then he chose one and he gives it to me. And I look at this picture I don't like the picture, but I couldn't say it like this. But anyway, I took it and, you know, just tried to be polite. And later on, something happened with that picture. But, but anyway, that's the way it was for the first Darshan. For me, it was not, I was not, he was nice is what I thought. He was very sweet. That was what I thought. So just so that I can clarify a little bit of timeline here. Mirabai, when you were on the bus in Allahabad. When was that? Do you remember? It was, um, it was I think, it, February or March, 71. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that was the first time when, when you saw, that was your first darshan technically of Maharaji, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you to Parvati and, oops, we lost Radha there. Got us back. Oh, yeah. Radha. Okay. Ours was in the beginning of September. Yeah. Of the same year, right? Same time. Yes. 71. Yeah. Okay. And Radha mentioned KK just now. So I, I was imagining that KK was already there and helping you with translation and talking and such. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was our translator for most of that time. No, I, I think Dada was the translator most of the time, but Keke was there some of the time. I, he was not there the first Darshan that we had. I don't know who was translating. Oh, it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, for those who are, are, are not familiar, Keke that we're referring to is Keke Shah, who actually um, very uh, recently left us, but he's also been here all these years for the rest of us who also never met Maharaji in the body, but was also there to share such deep and innumerable stories of of Maharaji as well. So that's who she's referring to. 
Um, okay, so I hate splitting up the talks like this, but let me just ask you then. So you all went there with your um, Western names, I imagine, or or no? Did Maharaji give you your names? Yes. Yes. So that's another question people ask a lot too, is like, how did you get your name and what was that experience like? And did it happen like as soon as you got there or did it happen later? Like, how was that for you? I was the first one who Maharaji named. I had no idea why I was not interested in a name. Um, just all of a sudden, just one day he said to me, he said, your name is Radha. And he said, and if anyone asks you what your name is, you tell them it's Radha. And um, he said, Radha was a great devotee of Krishna. And he said, you are like her. So, so that sounds nice. Okay. <laughs> did that mean yeah. something to you particularly at that yeah, time? That, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I knew who Radha was and um, he asked me if I was angry at him for naming me that. <laughs> uh, I, I was surprised. I don't, he wasn't, he went through a period where he was naming a lot of people and um, he, I don't know, who knows why he did what he did or when he did it, but that's, that's what he did with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there are other things that he said. I know that KK told me other things about Radha and it was, it was fine. I, I said, okay, like that's my name. So if anyone asks me, I tell, and I still do. Yeah. They said, what's your real name? I say Radha. <laughs> and if they question me about it, I said, if there was somebody who knew everything about you and who knew everything about everything, and they told you that this was your name and that if anyone asks you what your name is, that's what it was, that's what it is. My name is Radha. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you, rather just want to continue on this, because in the previously when you were talking about your first darshan with Maharaji, you said you were very angry, like when you first met him, and then you finished what you were saying by saying my impression of him was that he was very sweet. He was very sweet. So did did that sort of change inside of you quickly? Was that an ongoing process for you with him? Probably less, like when I say this, it took, it felt, time was very different. I felt anyway, it was very different time because uh, I felt like it took a long time for, uh, for me to change and it was two days. Two days later, I was a devotee. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Yeah, I got named a few days after she did. Uh, in a, I think he had called down, um, called down me and uh, Sita. <laughs> uh, Susan became Sita. Uh, George Ann became. Um, I think first she he gave her the name Durga. Then she became Annapurna later. And uh, he told me first my name was Tropedi, but then he immediately said no and named me Parvati. And I had always thought that I would have a Shiva name. I mean, I, that's just who I always felt I was, <laughs> you know. So I, I thought it would be either Uma or um, Parvati. 
And so when he named me that, I was very happy. <laughs> of course, when I got back to the States and everybody was saying poverty, I went, <laughs> well, no. <laughs> yeah. Mirabai's name, naming was a little more dramatic. <laughs> uh, Myra, she didn't give me a name. I was there for, I don't know, nine months or a year or something. And it was, everybody wanted a name, you know. And so, because, of course, Ram Dass had, had been named first, and he made a big deal about that. So <laughs> everybody wanted to be named. And... Uh, my, my name before was Linda. And Mar, when Maharaji would say it, it sounded like Nanna. And so there's, you know, I was afraid I was going to be named for Nandi, the bull. So <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I, I was just hoping that wouldn't happen. And then, um, yeah, it'd been a long time. And then one day, Maharaji just said at apparently out of nowhere um your uh your name is mirabai and um i hadn't ever heard of mirabai um who was a saint in the 16th century in india um and um a, a poet and um so maharaji said to radha radha you know the stories tell mirabai uh, about the original Mirabai. And so Radha did. And there are many stories about her. They get told a lot of different ways, but um, often it's told that she was um, she was married into a, a family that worshipped Shiva. And she was, from the time she was a little girl, uh, loved Krishna. And she used to, um, you know, make a little altar to Krishna in her room and uh, sing to him, and um, her, as this one story goes, her in-laws, who, I, think, I guess her, her um, father-in-law was the king, and um, he, or the Raj of that, of uh, Rajasthan then, not clear, but um, uh, they were very disapproving of, of her, and tried to there was no way they could get her to change, so they decided they were going to get rid of her. So they sent, they did these series of things. They sent her a, a, um, a poison in a cup, and but Mirabai's devotion was so great that when she drank the poison, it turned into amrit or nectar. Uh, they sent her a snake in a basket of flowers, and uh, but she was so pure that um, when she oh, looked at the flowers, there were just flowers there and it went on like that. <laughs> and so um, eventually, anyhow, she left the, um, she left the palace and to wander um, on, in the streets and sing to God. Um, and her poetry uh, has been translated by a, a number of really great American poets, Jane Hirschfield, Robert Bly, and um, it's still, th those are beautiful translations. And of course, in India, it's still uh, sung today. 
Um, so Rada told me part of that story, the part about her husband's family trying to poison her. And um, so my, uh, I wasn't yet married, but my partner, um, who Maharaji later married us, um, was sitting next to me and um, um, he got really upset when he heard that and he he jumped up and and uh started leaving the temple nobody ever i mean the whole thing with maharaji was we would just go there and be there and sit with him and sing sometimes and nobody ever left before he sent us away and john just jumped up and and started but he couldn't get the door to the temple uh grounds open uh, and I think then Krishnadas or, or Ramdas um, followed up. Maharaji said, what's wrong with him? And uh, brought him back to Maharaji. What's wrong with him? Maharaji, he thinks that he doesn't want to be the husband that keeps his wife from God. Um, tries to poison her. <laughs> and Maharaji said, this is one of my favorite lines of Maharaji ever. He said, why do you think that way? I think of all the times, you know, when there are a couple of possibilities in any moment that you might choose about how you think about it, and you sometimes don't choose <laughs> the, the right one. Why do you think that way? Your name is Krishna. You are the, uh, you are the one that Mirabai loved. That's your name, and you should be called by that name. So... It was, it was a, a moment. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> but I've always loved the name. And it works really well in this culture. And <laughs> well, I was, I'm actually really amazed that you all even knew the history. Like, you know, Parvati said that she always thought she was going to get a Shiva name. Like, she already had an idea about that. Mm -hmm. So uh, back then, you know, before you even went to India, had you mm -hmm. already... Because I didn't think there were that there was that much literature out there, and certainly there weren't that many teachers, you know, here in the West. And yet, you seem to have this background of this particular type of Indian culture, and and had a feeling for the type of name that you might get or did get. And then, once you got the name, because it seems like getting a name from the guru is a very big part of your relationship with the guru, and. I wonder, like, did you ever feel that you kind of grew into your name in a particular way? Mirabai has explained a little bit about her feeling about it, but how was it for you, Radha? You said you you always call yourself Radha, and Parvati, you like your name. I what is that? Yeah, I love my Krishna, who is Maharaji Shiva. I love him as whatever he is, which is everything. Hanuman, everything. I'll start to cry. Uh, it was a good name for me because I, I just love him so much. Uh, Krishna talks a lot about what it was like to be with him. I never, ever experienced anything like this. Um, it was like the greatest love that you, more than any kind of love that you could conceive of somebody who loved completely and totally, who let you know in very subtle, sometimes sometimes not so subtle ways, that he knew everything about you, every thought that you had, 
everything about you, all your impurities, all the things you didn't want anyone to know. He knew and he didn't care. It didn't matter. He saw your heart. He saw your being. And that's who he spoke to. And that's who he loved. And because he loved us so greatly, I couldn't help falling in love with him. He was the most incredible, beautiful love. I, I don't, it's very hard to explain. Uh, Ramdas tried to. And the only way I think that we really can understand something is if we have some kind of experience of it. But I've never experienced anything like that. I don't think any of us ha have. Um, and it was real. It was, it was what Ramdas had told us about. And you were asking about how did we, the background that we had of the gods and goddesses or the names of who we spent a lot, Parvati and I anyway, um, had spent a lot of time with Ramdas. And um, we learned a lot about who the gods were and just the different stories. We read the Bhagavad Gita every day. This is the summer of 69, living up with, in New Hampshire at Ramdas's father's property. We had tents. Parvati was talking a little bit about that. And we lived there for the summer. And there was a lot of sadhana a lot of uh, different kinds of meditation, a lot of different kinds of reading, and Ramdas talks. And so that was mainly how we learned. Ramdas had, I'd been with Ramdas before that summer of 69. He was in New York giving a, a series of lectures from a place called the, the Sculpture Studio. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't recorded, as far as I know. And he talked a lot every day about this God, that God. And when I first heard about it, I said, oh my gosh, how, I had no idea who any of them were. And I thought, how am I ever going to learn this? How can I know who these beings are? And it's just, it's, it just must be past karma. I don't know what else I can say or past lifetimes, whatever, because this is so familiar. And even when I couldn't understand what the names were or who they were, it was like, I felt this is home. You know what Parvati was talking about, finding your tribe, that's exactly what it was like. That's how I felt too. And this was home and this felt so right and it felt so good. It was through Ramdas that we learned all about this. Plus, there were a lot of books. There were books. I mean, there weren't what well, I mean. There weren't like whole spiritual bookstores at that point, but there was the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, which was almost required reading. As was autobiography of a yogi. Uh, you know, there were some heavy duty texts that were available. Uh, that you know, I for one devoured. Uh, you know, after <laughs> after discovering the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you know, so it was like we had some some grounding before we got there. Yeah. To do that. And going back to the name for a minute, I mean, um, part of the, part of the, the wonderful part about having that name was the hearing Maharaji call you by that name I mean there were times that you know I remember just sitting in front of the tucket always needing to be within touching distance <laughs> of the feet um, or the body in some way and him just sort of rubbing you know running his fingers up and down my arm and going Parvatisha 
You know, it was just total love. There was just no way about it. And then there are other times he'd go, who is Parvati? And I'd have to have, you know, you know, one of those routines, you know, Shiva's Shakti, you know, Shiva's wife, you know. Uh, so my whole life, there's been this running question of who is Parvati? Who am I? So it really does work on you. It, it, it does, um, who is Parvati? What is that quality that he sees in me that I need to embody like that? Yeah. So Radha was mentioning before that when you were with Ramdas, so at this time when you were with Ramdas in New Hampshire, Mirabai, were you where were you at that time? In sixty eight and nine. Yeah. Summer of sixty nine. Yeah. I was um, somewhere completely. <laughs> <laughs> so Radha mentioned that when you were with uh, Ramdas, that you did a lot of sadhana when you were with him. When you went over to India, what were your days like? When So you got there in September, you had Maharaji's Darshan in September. Did you stay long? And obviously when you got there, you realized you wanted to stay. So how was your time while you were there? How did you spend your time? What did you do? <laughs> I'm laughing because Krishnadas gives a perfect example of what it was like. We used to sit across from him and look at him like... It was it, there was nothing that we liked better than watching Maharaji. That being around Maharaji, Parvati was talking a little bit about how he was. He was so accessible. Uh, you could touch him. I remember touching his hand, and he didn't pull it away. Like, um, and touching his feet, which is people ask about that. About like, well, how could you touch the feet? What is it about the feet? It's hard to explain unless you've had this experience but it's bliss comes out of that bliss comes out of his feet the love like the very intense the feet but other parts of his body you could touch and i used to touch him what ramdas used to say about him he used to say that there's nobody home i had no idea what that meant nobody home there there is nobody home. You look at Maharaji. This is not a human. This is like, I'm going to say this and people could get very upset about it. But to me, it was like, this was God in a body and it was in front of us. I could touch it. And I used to call him an it because it was in a body. It had had a body and it was, it was God. That's what it felt like to be. It was overwhelming sometimes. It was just, it, it, to me anyway, but he named me Radha, so it's a good name. <laughs> um, but just it, the love that he had was so great. It's very hard to explain. KK said that what Maharaj used to do was stretch our capacity to love, to receive love and to give love, because it was, it was just so much. It was not like what anything that, that we were ever used to before. That's how I felt. And that's how I experienced him after a few days. After you got over your uh, anger? Well, he, told, <laughs> days later. he told me, he said, I forgot to say this too, at the first Darshan, he said that he would help me get over it. And every day he would say, have you let, he said, if you tried, if you try to get over anger, he said, I will help you. And every day he used to say, um, 
have you stopped being angry or something like that? Or have you gotten over some of your anger? He said, I am helping you. I'm helping you. I need a lot of help. <laughs> so was Maharaji there for a number of days continuously that you could, you could see? Yeah. How we had seven that? weeks in Nani in, in Nanital that were extraordinary because the Indians had never seen him stay that long in one place for that amount of time. And it was a super packed seven weeks. I mean, there were a couple of days when he disappeared for a day, and the next day we'd find out, oh, he was at this Shiva temple or that temple, you know, that he was someplace else. But mostly he was there. And we would we were all staying at the Evelyn Hotel in Nanital. This is the early crew. Okay. Later people, you know, stayed in the valley near where Maharaji was in the temple. But we were all in the hotel. And we'd get up in the morning and you know, go down and either catch a bus or a taxi or Ramdas's VW with you know the van that was going at that time. And we would We'd stop and pick up fruit or whatever prasad we were going to bring, come to the temple, and then we'd sit in front of the uh, tucket out on the porch in Kenji until he would burst through the doors, <laughs> literally, I mean, slamming them back, <laughs> and come out and we would have darshan. And sometimes it would be for hours and sometimes it would be brief. And uh, he would chit-chat about all sorts of, I mean, I remember a whole conversation he had with Mohan about the price of milk in America. You know, it was like, it didn't matter what was being said at all, you know, most, you know, a lot of the time. Uh, but uh, it, 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 the times that he would be silent would be so powerful that, I could understand why he had to chit-chat some of the time. It sort of broke up the intensity of his presence when he would be like, you know, Shiva's, like the Himalayas, you know, just this huge silent presence. And, you know, sometimes he would be like a little kid or, you know, there were times I'd look at him and he'd, he'd look like an infant. I would go over and kiss the top of his head. You know, like a little child. Other times he was immense. It just, anyway, then, we, then we'd be sent away either to go across the courtyard to be served lunch, which would be mounds, I mean, literal mounds of puris and, you know, fried potatoes. And you would eat and not even feel like you had eaten. I mean, it, it was just sort of the ballast to keep our bodies there. And then we'd be sent off to the back part of the ashram to take rest, <laughs> which could be for hours. And then we'd come back down for like an afternoon darshan, you know, a darshan in the late afternoon before the la until the last, last bus has come. Last bus, we had to get on and go back to the hotel. So that was sort of a, you know, then we'd go back to the hotel. We would have dinner there. KK would come in the evening, and that's how we learned to do RT. He taught us every night how to do RT. Um, so there was a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Did you end up actually doing RT for Maharaji? Oh, yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. He was surprised. 
we wanted to surprise him and it was so beautiful. It was <laughs> one of the best moments with him. So I could doing RT and he just, he allowed us to do it. And he just was, was so happy with us and just, he was, he was so, he loved it. He loved it. And we did another puja, which was a, for Durga puja. We loaded him up with ash and we did another special puja. For, and he just allowed us to do so much to him. It was really extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, I got to wash his feet once with, uh, you know, I think it was Dahi with yogurt. And, and uh, it was Dahi yeah. and honey and... And honey and... Yeah. Yeah. Afterwards. What? Did you eat it afterwards? Absolutely. And there was, this is one of my stories I love. There was, there was somebody who showed up there whose name is Motors was, I don't know what happened to him. His name was Motorcycle Bob. Uh, he came out of nowhere. He rode a motorcycle and he just liked to hang out there. Um, and then we had that puja and they sent around to everybody to drink the, um, the pr- pr- great Maha Prasad from Maharaji's feet from doing this puja. And he drank some. And when he, he, then he, afterward he asked, what was I drinking? And when we told him, he freaked out and he said, I'm going to get antibiotics immediately. <laughs> Mirabai, you said um, you were a like a, you were a PhD student at that point when you got there, right? Yeah. So when you were with Maharaji, did you ever think that you wanted to ask him questions about things like uh, when you were sitting in front of him, or did that feeling go away to ask questions mm. that, about anything? I don't remember asking any questions. It was like. Um, the questions just fell away. They seemed irrelevant, you know, um, being with him. Uh, it was just his presence that um, was the teaching, you know. It wasn't uh, reduced to uh, knowing about any particular thing. It was just this wholly different way of knowing than before um, that, uh, yeah, that was that. That was the most important. He would ask us questions sometimes, you know. He'd say, what did you do in America? You know, how much money did you make in America? (laughs) Tell him. Uh, And I I I was just, I was a teaching fellow. I was not making very much money. But um, so I was there with uh, Krishna. And uh, I made a little more than he did, you know, so he'd ask us both and he liked to do that when Indian devotees were there. And then he'd say, see, she makes more money than he does. <laughs> that was a big revelation. And um, uh, he'd ask questions like over and over that there were just wrote answers to what is america famous for he especially do these when indian devotees were there what is america famous for putting a man on the moon was the answer (laughs) what is india famous for atman (laughs) (laughs) there were just these little rituals you know that really weren't really asking questions we were talking about learning arty i had and we also learned that the chalisa and like i have it all in my original notebook like um with the translations word by word <laughs> Still have it. So this is um 50 years old now 
<laughs> it's still there. I look at it because there was a, there's a kind of tender, sweet um, innocence about being with him. Like, you know, of course, we'd thought about lots of these things before, but it was also, it was all new, really, in being with him. Yeah. You chant the Hanuman Chalisa when you were with him? Was that something you did? No. She's nodding. She's not. She's shaking her head. Okay. I guess everyone did different things. <laughs> but he did He did ask if we had any questions. He periodically would ask, do you yeah. have any questions? Uh -huh. And um, I definitely took advantage of that when he would say that because I had read uh, the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. And I remembered very specifically that there were things I should ask for. So I did. I asked, uh, I asked for a pure heart. What? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I asked for a pure heart. I asked for a pure mind. Um, he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, when I said I asked for a pure heart, he said, love all as Christ did. <laughs> when I asked for a pure mind, he said, love all men as brothers. Um, later on, he, he uh, I remember what he had said, um, but I, I at one point asked him for faith because he told me that sometimes I had faith, sometimes I didn't, so I asked him for faith. Mm -hmm. So he did ask if we, I mean, and I remember, you know, Raghu had wanted a name for a really long time. And he didn't get, I mean, some of the guys didn't get one for really, really a long time. And um, and uh, at one point, I remember Maharaji asking me if I had a question. And I said, and I didn't at that point. And I said, I don't, but my friend does. <laughs> and he called Raghu over and said, do you have a question? And Raghu said, ah, Hindi Nam, you know, <laughs> give me my name. <laughs> so could I just so, ask? Because three of you have now mentioned um, yeah. Mohan and Krishna and Raghu. So while all this was happening, you also had your, you know, you, you were in India, you were seeing Maharaji, but you also had, you know, the rest of your life was also going on. Um, and my understanding is, is that Maharaji also would get people together to get them married, like Mirabai mentioned before. And so can you just share a little bit about that with us? And then you don't have to go into too much detail, but just like, how did that event happen? What was that like for you? Um, well, uh, it turned out, Ramdas and I both had these awful symptoms of some illness. And uh, we thought, uh, we thought it was um, some kind of, suggestion thing or and we um we thought we had worms that's what it was and so uh, we started taking what was called the black medicine which was some kind of herbal mix that people took for worms and then uh we both took it and then we uh separated and i went to puri where Radha was and um uh he went with ramesh someplace else and some time passed, and um, then we were uh, back with Maharaji again. In the meantime, I'd gone to the doctor because I had not gotten any better. And uh, it turned out that I was pregnant. And we didn't guess that because 
we were all, I mean, uh, how did I get pregnant? We were always sleeping in rooms of like 10 people and, and it was just not really what was going on. But in fact, it had happened. <laughs> so um, well, I remember when I saw Ramdas the first time, I said, Ramdas, <laughs> I'm pregnant. What about you? You know, <laughs> he had uh, hepatitis, I think. But um, anyhow, then I went to Maharaji and I said, I, I thought, wow, no one's gone to Maharaji and asked for like a special, like uh, what, you know, what should, the special secret teachings about what happens when you're pregnant. So I went to him, said, Maharaji, I'm pregnant. What should I do? And he, he was quiet for a while, and I just sat there waiting for the secret teachings. And he said, you should get married. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. He married us. <laughs> he told, he told um, Krishna to go get a ring. And uh, Krishna Das was kind of the priest for it. And uh, Maharaji was there, but basically Maharaji just said, Sadi Hogya, you are married. And it was, um, it was a beautiful day. It was at a daughter's house in Allahabad. And um, uh, yeah, it was really, it was really great. <laughs> did you stay there in India after that? Uh, 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 did you have the baby in India or? I came home. Uh, and uh, had the baby at the farm that uh, Poverty was talking about in Canada. I think you had a story to tell us about something about that eventually. <laughs> yeah, I got married at Donna's house in Allahabad as well. Um, but I mean, you had come with, with John, <laughs> you know, with Krishna. And Radha had already been married when she got to India. Um, I was single when I got to Maharaji. And very early on in the first week that I was there, uh, he called me into the room by myself and he said, um, basically he said, how old are you? <laughs> and I went, 26. <laughs> and he said, you wanna get married? And I said, well, I think about it sometimes, but here I am with Maharaji, the last thing you want is anything except him. I mean, you have everything you want right there, you know? And uh, he said, do you want to get married in India or America? I said, Maharaji, <laughs> you know, what are we talking about? And he goes, do you have anybody in mind that you want to marry? I said, no, Maharaji, it's your choice. And he went, teak, okay. <laughs> that night I had um, a very intense dream about Raghu and uh, Suddenly, after that, things started happening. <laughs> and eventually, uh, Maharaji said, you know, months, you know, a couple of months later, Maharaji called me up to him and said, finally, he just said, will you marry that gentleman? <laughs> and I finally said yes to Maharaji. And Maharaji in English went, thank you. <laughs> and he sent us off to get rings and... Um, then in February, we left in March, in February, we went into, he called us into, you know, the bedroom that he had at Dada's house. And uh, Raghu and I were there, and Raghu's brother Lakshman and Krishnadas 
the four of us. Maharaji sat there chomping on some sort of vegetable, <laughs> told us to put the rings on each other, and then looked at us and said, Shadi Hogya, you're married. <laughs> oh, he asked us how much the rings would be worth in America. <laughs> Hard to understand these um, happening sometimes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's all part of life. So that's very nice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you have that picture, Nina, that I gave you? Um, just that um, everybody had, I think I, uh, when we got there, everybody had um, a um, flowers around their necks, you know, and then uh, after we got married, everybody put them on us, and we were just like... So oh, you were... Covered. Yeah. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that one, so I'm glad you're showing it. That's yeah, it was really wonderful. <laughs> Great. Um, so I was, I wanted to ask you if you did any practices then you've sort of described to me how your day was like but since then um can you uh, maybe you can just tell very briefly how long each of you were with maharaji and anything else you would like to share about it and then we can talk more about how he is in your life now and how that means. And I'll ask you some other questions, but maybe you can just finish that little part of your, mm -hmm. those, that short time, it seems like. But Well, I know that Radha and I were there together from the first arch into the last. And our first was at the beginning of September in 71, and the last arson was March 5th, 1972, um, which I always remember because it was my birthday. <laughs> And then we came back, you know, uh, we were basically being kicked out of India. Our visas were up and Maharaji was not cooperating in getting them extended past that year. <laughs> so. During that time, um, did you have any glimpse of the Ma's who were there? Siddhi Ma and everybody else? Not at all. Not at all. I did not of Siddhi Ma, but certainly Javanti Ma. You don't remember her? No. And the mothers and uh, Maharaji had them. There are a lot of them. And there was one one time he had me come into this room and there were a bunch of mothers that were there. And he told me that one of them was his mother. And I looked at her and she wasn't that old but because he told me he was very old. <laughs> but he insisted, this is my mother. So I said, well, okay, like, what do, what do I know? You know, you tell me that this is your mother, okay. And he said, aren't you going to pronounce to her? So I said, yes. You know, I pronounced her. And she was like this. She was, <laughs> she was holding up her sari and just like giggling and she was embarrassed. But um, I touched her feet and it was like, he, you didn't know what he was doing or why he was doing this or or anything, but if he said it, okay, I, I didn't know what it meant, but I was going to do what he said to do. So I, we did, there was Mohini Ma, do you remember her? She's the little Ma? Mm -hmm. Mohini Ma, okay. Um, 
and there were there are quite a few of them. But City Mon, no. However, she said that Maharaji had, she was behind this door and she used to crack open the door and she would look at us. She knew who all of us were. She knew all about us because she used to talk to Maharaji about us after the darshans, after we left. Yeah. Mirabai, she, yeah, she told us all that when we, at the Maha Samadhi, when we went. And you remember that uh, City Ma and Janati Ma and the Ma's were all in this room, all in their white disheveled saris with their hair loose and everybody in this, you know, state of obvious grief. And in the middle of that, she started telling Radha and I about um, all these times that Maharaji and she would talk about us. And it was really extraordinary, Mm -hmm. you know, that she was able to sort of fill us up at the same time she was going through this enormous grief. Mm. I remember KK saying the same thing also when Ma left the body that he uh, felt that she was really the well, you know, that everyone could go back to and she held that space for all mm. these years. Um, yeah. Holding Maharaji's energy like that for and love. Mm. You know, it's interesting. As we're talking, there are things that we don't remember about each other that, that we're saying. Mirabai, um, I have no recollection about the Hanuman Chalisa, except that I heard of it, but I didn't know. And how, when was this? And, and that you wrote the whole thing down. I wrote it down too, but I don't know. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it was. <laughs> we didn't know what it was. It was 50 years ago, Ryder. My diary, you know, every, you know, things like that, that were important, things like that. But I remember RT, I have no recollection about the Hanuman Chalisa. Yeah. And with a word by word translation. <laughs> so Parvati, when you were putting together Love Everyone mm-hmm. and you were able to receive, you know, certain people's, did you find also there were a lot of revelations in there of things that had happened that you weren't aware of when you were seeing other people's stories? Uh, not that many people kept the kind of journals, actually, that Rada and I seem to have. I mean, Mirabai's is a much more poetic, naturally, <laughs> one. <laughs> and um, and so we can cross-reference darshans that happen, you know, and we'll remember certain things from what each of us wrote. But not many people kept, you know, those kind of journals. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been through Krishna Das's a lot of dreams, you know, well, you know, stuff like that in his, um, but not necessarily the day to day. Anasuya had a very good one mm-hmm. that uh, from you know very early on. Um, but towards the latter part, if, if people kept journals, they were mostly uh, pictures and poems and songs and quotes rather than sort of the day-to-day happenings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, after you left India and after uh, Maharaji left the body, you came back, or before you came back, and you you went on with your lives here. Can you just share with us a little bit about what happened, each of you, just in your daily lives, what happened? What, what, how was it for you as women who had come back home and the rest of your life went on? And then I want you to just share with others also how, 
it was for you to separate from separate or not separate from Maharaji in that way? How did you feel you could connect with him more? And then I'm just going to just ask all the question now so that you can just freely speak. Um, and then how did it translate into your lives with what you did maybe professionally or how it was with your families, with your children and grandchildren and so on. So just mm. speak of it the way you like. Big question. Anybody want to start? You. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, when we came home, we all came home at the same time. Uh, some people stayed there, but we three came home at the same time. It never, as Roger said, never occurred to us that he was going to die soon or ever. <laughs> so, um, uh, and then he did. And no one has mentioned, but what he, the, we know he didn't like tell us to do many things except, you know, small things, but, um, like small things like always tell the truth um, but he also said love everyone and serve everyone so when we got home and he died it was like well what do we do now and I remember in the beginning well he often used to say love everyone and feed everyone so in the beginning we different ones of us lived in different group settings uh, in those first years, just trying to figure out how to go forward. And, um, and I remember uh, Christian and I lived in Berkeley <laughs> in a one-room apartment with Jai Utal and Govind. And, um, and, and we had Owen, who was about one um, or less. He was a baby. Um, we all lived together in one-bedroom apartment. And I remember being really really happy and it i remember it is spacious i know it wasn't and but we all got along really well and they were both great musicians and their their practice was to was to practice was to play music five hours a day um and so we did but we also they did um but we also um founded the amazing because we said we said feed everyone what should we do um, we founded the Amazing Grace Vegetarian Catering Company. Um, and we would cater people's birthday parties and things, and music would come along with it. Kirtan. Um, that was how, that's what we thought he meant in the beginning. And then, let's say, briefly, over the years, I've been like um, reimagining and reinterpreting or just listening for what did that mean? Love everyone, serve everyone. Um, and the, the feeding over time for me um, morphed into feeding in other kinds of ways. And, um, uh, and loving everyone in the beginning. And he told me, love every, never, go where, never go where there is no love. And I thought, um, well... Uh, I should just stay with people in the satsang, you know, that, that'd be safe, you know, <laughs> or at least in an alternative, because don't forget, 
before before 69 and 70 it was there were things happening in this country including so when when we left i mean i was a phd student but i also had a was kind of a hippie uh a phd student and um uh so we uh i thought well to do have to do something alternative and um the first thing that i did with krishna then was um we started we started a business that um uh we it was when people were just coming into alternative spirituality and religion and um so people were discovering hinduism and sufism and buddhism and so on and or rediscovering their roots in judaism or christianity so um uh we made these uh transparencies of 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 uh, mandalas uh from all the different traditions and people put them on their windows and we called the business illuminations and of course it was dedicated to maharaji and ramdas would come and give us lectures all of us on on right livelihood and um and then we just tried to pay attention to what he said um and we uh so we had big feasts every tuesday on hanuman day for everybody we had a uh, meditation at all our meetings and you know as some of you know the thing was we we knew nothing about business but you know we always told the truth it kept growing and growing and um we ended up with i don't know 60 70 employees and um we kept trying to listen like we gave we um we go through maharaji's teachings at all our business meetings and then we at the end of each year we give away um all the profits i mean we um to employees um with that caught up with us at a certain point when for the first time after like 10 years we had uh, people went to competition with us and we needed money and we didn't have any retained earnings because we thought that that showed a lack of faith um so anyhow i did that and then um after that some of us who had been with maharaji uh, some had been um Larry Brilliant and Gerja they had Larry had trained as a doctor and um Gerja studied public health and um Maharaji sent Larry as as he describes in his great book sometimes brilliant sent him to uh Delhi to work on the end of smallpox which he did it's a great story um and Larry of course is now all over CNN and today in in the times uh out coming out of Maharaji sending him to to uh and smallpox but so a group of us started including Ramdas and Larry and others um we started Seva Foundation Seva meaning service uh serve everyone and we worked on um blindness uh in Asia mainly today we had was such a it was so amazing we had no money we um but they wanted to bring together people um uh lots of different kinds of people so we we wouldn't get caught in old ways of doing things uh so round us as part of it and uh me wavy gravy and others and um today oh and so we raised all the money in the beginning from rock and roll the the grateful dead was the house band and um uh, 
Today, 5 million people have had their sight restored by SEVA, uh, in mostly, in, mostly in Asia, but um, India, Nepal, other countries. Um, and for 10 of those years, I worked in um, Guatemala, helping after the worst violence there, helping people restore their villages and, uh, and their agriculture, you know, so um, it seemed to be still all about feeding people. And then um, when that was, the peace accords were signed in Guatemala and I, at that point, um, thought that it would be a good time to you know, extend beyond feeding people food and uh, started the Center for Contemplative Mind and Society, which with some other people and we brought, uh, we quote, fed people by introducing contemplative practices, meditation, yoga, and so on into um, mainstream settings. And at, it was 95, so it wasn't happening yet. And we worked in all these different sectors, uh, business and, uh, and philanthropy and, and education and the army. And, uh, and so that, uh, that seemed like uh, a way the, the next evolution of loving everyone and serving everyone. And here I am. I forgot to say that I married a chef just so that I wouldn't forget about feeding people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did a lot of feeding people in the beginning. <laughs> um, in that way. Yeah. I remember in the, uh, in the, 80s when uh, we were living in Pleasantville, right near Radha and Krishna Das. I, a whole bunch of us were living fairly, you know, a similar area. And uh, we would have kirtan in my living room pretty much every Saturday night that both Krishna Das and Raghu were around. This is long before Krishna Das was out there, out there doing kirtan. <laughs> And I think I would feed probably 50 people a week, of, uh, you know, that would come for kirtan. I'd always have, you know, big pots of soup and bread and all sorts of things there. So, yeah, we did a lot of, a lot of feeding. And then, of course, my feeding all went into books. You know, I, the first one I, well, the first one I had worked on was uh, very briefly, <laughs> in a very small way, was Be Here Now. Uh, but later on, you know, started with uh, Dada's books, worked on By His Grace and The Near and the Dear. And over the years, it's all been a question of, of um, gathering stories and um, trying to, you know, make it as available as possible, you know, all of the to feed people that way <laughs> through the books, through, you know, Dada's and KK's and Krishna Das's and Love Everyone and uh, all of that. So that's what I've been doing. <laughs> and I was feeding people also. Yeah. Um, there are kirtans that were at our house also and just feeding a lot of people. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
when uh, Dada came, there was Dada, um, Tawari, and KK. They all came and uh, all of them stayed with me. They stayed in different places, but they did stay. And a lot of people would come. And so there was a lot of feeding. We always fed. Parvati and I met each other in the kitchen. (laughs) Ram Dasis and we've been doing that a lot since that time um and it worked out in a different first of all i i wanted to say that the last darshan that we had with maharaji uh maharaji i had asked him how could we serve him best in america how could we serve him something had happened before i had asked that question which was that uh ramdas was sitting at his feet at maharaji's feet and something happened between them and Ramdas started sobbing. And I felt like that I knew that right then that Maharaji was not going to be in his body. He was going to leave his body. And I felt like he was giving over his power in a certain way. I use that word because I didn't know what else to call it to Ramdas and Ramdas knew it. And I started really crying and he said, why are you crying? And I said, uh, I just was crying. I just kept crying. He said, you'll be back soon. Why are you crying? I said, will, because I knew Maharaji's tricky ways. And I said, will you be here when I come back? And he said, nay. And that did it for me. I just lost it. And I just was crying and crying and crying. He said, why are you crying? Why are you crying? I said, because you said that you're not going to be here when I come back. And he said, where can I go if I'm not with you? answer me. And I'm still crying. He said, answer me, answer me. Where can I go if I'm not with you? Answer me. So I just looked at him and I said, well, I guess you're, you're in my heart. And then he's, then again, I said, what can we do? How can we serve you? when we're in America, just meaning everyone, but also myself. And he said, you said that I am in your heart. He said, just keep me there. That's the main, that was his main, this is his last darshan. This is one of the last things that he said to me. Uh, so that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but anyway, getting back to what I was saying previously about feeding people and serving people. And I became an acupuncturist and then I became a nurse and then a nurse practitioner and work with people that were suffering. Because when I was with him, a lot of times he would have me speak to people about death, um, dying, people who were suffering. And I just felt like I was carrying on that tradition. I was uh, working with people in pain management and, um, doing particular kinds of alternative medicine for people that had conditions that no, nothing medically could treat and just doing things like that. And, to, and then I started working really hard a lot. And Parvati said, you can't go on like this. This is, uh, you, you have to stop. 
you have to stop. And I kept going and going and going. And uh, anyway, Maharaji, on her birthday, March 5th, which was the last darshan that we had also March 5th, on March 5th of 2019, I was in a horrendous car accident. And I was hit very hard by uh, a car that was going very fast and didn't stop. And anyway, I have broken my neck and have spinal cord injuries and similar kind of thing that Christopher Reeve, I don't know if any of you know who, who he was, but it's a similar kind of injury. And that stopped everything. That completely changed everything. First of all, when this happened, I did not think of Maharaji. I did not say Ram Ram. I could have been killed. And it was like right at that time when you're supposed to be thinking of God. And I did not. And I felt like I was, Krishna said to me, you failed death. And he said, and he said, Ram Das failed death also. <laughs> but I was given another chance. And this has really changed my life. First of all, I cannot, I've not been able to do anything. I haven't been able to work, certainly how I was before. And um, what I'm doing now is instead of trying to heal other people, I'm trying to work on healing myself in a lot of different ways. And one of them has to do with my connection with him. And through the grace of Maharaji, this accident happened because it brought me back to who I really am, which is a bhakta and loving him and just being so devoted to him. And because of you, Nina, I know you don't like to take credit for things, but Krishnadas, Nina, someone named Govindas, um, all these people have helped me with getting back on the path to loving people, serving people, chanting the Hanuman Chalisa, which I had no recollection of when we were with him. <clears throat> And I feel like um, I'm helping other people in a different kind of way. It's a younger satsang who I'm in contact with and um, just trying to put out a lot of love to them and uh, just talk to them about stories of Maharaji. And people want to know, and people who have never been with Maharaji, it's important for them to know that even though we're talking about Maharaji like this, and he was such an extraordinary which is a mild word. To, I don't even know what to say about him. But um, that being is the same being that is in every single one of us. It's in all of you who are listening. It's in all of us as well, of course. And that's so important to know that the guru does not have to be in a physical form. He doesn't have to be in a physical body. Maharaji told me this. The guru does not have to be in there. What he it has to be inside is love. That's what he said. So that's what I try to do as much as I can. And it's a lot of work on myself. So I feel very blessed and grateful. That was beautiful, Radha. Thank you. <laughs> I should say that the next book... <laughs> that will be coming out next year, um, presumably. Uh, right now it's being called A Whisper in the Heart. 
And there are well over 150 stories of people who have met Maharaji since he left his body in all sorts of different ways. You know, some through Kirtan, some through the books that are out there, some through Ramdas and the retreats, and um, some through various other members of the satsang, just in getting connected and discovering Maharaji. And they range from, you know, stories of somebody having a dream of him or somebody having uh, some sort of, you know, slow awakening to the fact that he's their guru to others who have these knock your socks off stories where he shows up outside somebody's front door, you know? (laughs) So just to know he's out there still doing his thing. (laughs) So I, I want to just say, of course, you know, many of us met Maharaji through, um, well, I certainly did, when I first heard Krishnadas chant, and then I've been lucky to have the opportunity to connect with all of you. And, and that's so for so many, I mean, you know, how many people. Um, but I want to ask you, was there ever a time that, you know, Maharaji said, I, I'll never let go of your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever feel any doubt at any point since then that have you ever had that moment of suddenly feeling like, you know, the ground fell out beneath you and you were not going to be caught in whatever way Maharaji catches us? I must say I've hollered at him a lot, cursed him out occasionally, (laughs) but I think um, the, I think I've always known that the blanket was there and that, you know, no matter how far we fell, the blanket would be there to catch us. Yeah. It's never wavered for me, but I, it is true that when uh, I got divorced from Krishna, and you know, we often say about Maharaji, good on real estate, because we always seem to end up in great places. Good on real estate, bad on relationships. <laughs> Everybody got divorced. So, um, but, but when it was happening, Maharaj had married us. I mean, that was like a major experience I had with Maharaj. And, you know, it came to, I, I really had to wrestle with, I mean, because I really felt it was no longer right for us to be together. But, you know, was I saying that Maharaji was wrong? You know, that was that was a struggle for me in terms of Maharaji's wishes. But uh, but I never doubted that he was there. He's always been there. It was really hard for me also with what you're talking about, Mirabai, uh, having to do with with uh, what Maharaji talked to me about with how to be with a husband and. He actually told me that I would become Radha if I was devoted to my husband. And it was really, really, really hard to let go of, of that. And I just, I he said a lot of things he didn't know why. And it made it just so, so difficult. You should serve your husband as if he were God. If husband is happy, God is happy. Yeah. 
will become Radha if you serve your husband as if he were God. And I could not do it. And I thought for so long, something is wrong with me. If it was somebody else, they would. I thought if it, I actually thought this, if it was City Ma, she would never be feeling like how I was feeling. But I'm not a saint. And I was trying to become, <laughs> I'm just not. Yeah. Um, he told me the same thing. Never leave your husband over and over again. Never leave your husband. Your path to God is in serving your husband. Made it very, very difficult, especially since Maharaji was the one who asked me to marry him. <laughs> so my vow, my wedding vow was to Maharaji. <laughs> and I was breaking my vow to Maharaji. So there have been some very, very difficult situations, but I never didn't, never felt that he wasn't there. Maharaji, he was there, but um, yeah. I had to hang on to his blanket so tightly, so tightly. It was very shaky, gone through a lot of shaky times. But he, like he said, that he never lets go. He said, even if you do, he won't. Right. So knowing that, did that help you make those decisions? Because you had to trust yourself somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, you're... I I couldn't I could not do go on doing being like the way that I was because it was I was being disingenuous to myself and I, I you know I think for all of us who were with him and there are more people he who were divorced who were with Maharaji who he married or whatever um, that I think it was really 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 hard for most of us because of what happened of what he said to us. Mm -hmm. But um, if you can't do something, I the only thing that I could do that Maharaji told me, which was something that he told me not to do, and that's <laughs> anyway. Where? What? What is that? When I first met him, I I told you how I was. Like I decided that I was going to smoke dope and go shopping. Mm -hmm. uh, so he asked me one time if I was addicted to smoking. And I said, no. And he said, you were thinking about becoming addicted. And I said, yes. And he had a magazine whack me on the head with it. And he went through this whole thing about how bad it, people, I'm sorry, but this is what he said. Parvati was not there. <laughs> I didn't hear it. Okay. But what he said to me, um, and Krishnadas was there, which I'll say, he'll hate me for this. But anyway, it's true. Um, he said, he went on how bad it was for you and um, great detail, how bad it was. And then he, he's brought in, he said, look at him. And he was talking about, um, Brahmachari Baba, who was the, he was the Chokiyadar for, um, or the Pujari for the Bhumiyadar temple. And he brought him in and he started yelling at him, but, um, Brahmachari Baba was so sweet, it didn't bother him. He was just, the, Maharaj was saying it was so bad because he smokes and he smokes and he smokes. Oh, the chillums all the time. Um, anyway, he wasn't so uh, disturbed. But then he said, and him, and he points to this poor man who was pouring on. And he pouring on is like this, and shaking and shaking and shaking. He said, "Look at him, what he does." He said, "His family is starving, and what does he, what does he do with his money? He spends it on ganja and get out, jow, 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 jow." And Puranan goes, and he then he looks at me and he, as he's telling me all these horrible things about smoking. 
And he looks very, very sweetly says, you won't smoke anymore, will you? And I said, no, I won't. And there were a bunch of people around. And he said, and he looked at them and he said, and you won't smoke either, will you? And they all said, oh, no, Maharaj, we won't, except Krishnadas said. He said, now I'm saying that I'm not going to smoke, he said. But he said, when I go back to America, if I'm at a party or something, I can't say that I'm not going to smoke. And Maharaj, he said, what? You can't even do this? You can't even do this? He said, enlightenment is so much more difficult. And you're saying you can't even do this? That's what happened. I wasn't there for that. She wasn't there. I never smoked since. I never took any drugs since that time. That's the only thing I could do with all the things he told me. He told me pujas to do. He told me I meditate. He told me to do japa. He didn't say the Hanuman Chalisa. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what that was. Anyway, that's what happened. So somebody asked uh, Krishnadas yesterday, um, when if you had to describe one aspect of Maharaji that feels the kind of, uh, if you had to just describe one that's like the strongest attribute or feeling that you have for him, what would you say it is? He just asked this question yesterday in the group chat, and and Krishna said it was Maharaji's compassionate nature, and he told a story that happened. Do you have such a feeling that like if you had to describe who your guru is to you, like what is it that stands out as a way to describe him? Love. 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 (laughs) Compassionate. I mean, he was so compassionate, so loving, so caring of us all. And he made everybody feel that way who was with him. I mean, we all did. And, uh, you had asked me one time about if there was any kind of jealousy or anything like that I, that I felt toward. I didn't feel, I felt I was, he was giving so much that I just wanted everybody to have that. And everybody who was on this call to be able to feel this love, I mean, this would be the most incredible thing and the most incredible blessing. And like Parvati was saying about the, the book that she's writing that people have experiences of Maharaji in dreams or meeting him or some kind of thing where they can get that. It's in all, it's in every single person. It's in us. It's just a matter of touching it and having it be, it happens through Kirtan. It happens through moments. It doesn't matter, but it's like, you understand what I'm talking about. And his is love for sure. Basically, what everybody comes to is, I felt like I was home. Mm. That's yeah. that's the bottom thing. All of a sudden, you're home. This is who you are. This is where you belong. This is where you've always been. This is where you'll always be. And it's at home. Yeah. Yeah, one of the questions that, you know, I hear a lot is... Um, you know, and I had this question when I f- first met Krishnadas also, because I was, when I first heard the stories of Maharaji, I was so drawn to them. I didn't even understand what was happening to me. You know, I heard Krishnadas sing Sri Ram Jairam and, and I, my whole, it just, 
everything turned inside out. And I, I didn't understand what was happening. And then I was very disappointed when I talked with Krishnadas and he said, well, you know, he's left the body because I, of course, wanted to immediately run and, and meet Maharaji. And I know that he, he gets that, that question a lot from a lot of people who, what do I do? How do I find a guru? Because everybody wants to feel this way. You know, everybody wants to feel that love because we all have the yearning, but then you also want to feel the response to that yearning. And you think you're going to get it from the outside, from somebody. And certainly when we hear your stories, you know, and you sat in front of Maharaji that way, and that was the experience that you felt, and now you can carry it with you. What would you say to people? You can repeat anything that you've said earlier, of course for um, those who are called enough to be here and to listen to this and to hear you, what do you say to them about wanting to find a guru? What would you say now? Maharaji and other beings, other holy men would say, God, guru, and self are one. It's inside of all of us. If we didn't have this inside of us, we're just like regular people. We're like everybody who's on this call. It's like we happen to have the experience of being with one of these extraordinary beings who showed us that that is inside of us. If it was not inside of us, how could we experience? I experience, my, and I'm sure that all of us do that are here, um, have experienced Maharaji, he's not in his body, you can feel it's the love, it's the, it's the great love, it's the compassion, it's, it's, you can't even really speak about it, just to say that those words, they're, they're not enough, but it's a, because it's a feeling and it's really hard to describe, but it's inside of us or else we would never have the experience. So if it's, we had this experience, and it's inside of us. It's inside of everybody. Yeah, Maharaji one time uh, said to me, stay with satsang. Um, and I just, I just scrolled through uh, to see who was on. Um, there's a lot of people on this call who I love and who I learn so much from. I think that, you know, we're here to, we learn from each other and, and we awaken love in each other. And, uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily Maharaji's satsang. It's like those people who, you know, bring love into your life and people who are, you know, who care about what it is we're here for and how to walk on a path. So I think that's where I find him now is in all of you. Yeah. Right. yeah, they all say, you know, you don't find the guru, the guru finds you. Um, you know, we were all called. I mean, everybody who comes to him has somehow been called. And um, there are so many outlets now of all this... Um, I mean, when we went to when we went back to India in 1971, there was not a whole lot of spirituality available. <laughs> now it's everywhere, 
and people can tune into the kirtans, to the books, to their dreams, to uh, the podcasts, to all this different media of all these different people that are uh, talking about this or singing about this. And, and that's how, you know, people get that whiff of that love. And through that, you come into contact with the God guru self that are one. Yeah. You never know where it's going to come from. What happened to me, which helped me, which turned around was the Hanuman Shalisa. Thanks to you, Nina. And through a friend of Shiva, my son, Shiva's friend, Govindas, Bhakti Yogashala. I could not believe what, what was being said and what I felt like it brought me right back to Maharaji. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to Jai, listening, of course, Krishnadas, we just, you never know where it's going to come from. So, uh, you, know, you know, in in the Rama, Ramayana, I'm not saying it right, please forgive me. Um, but Tulsidas says in the beginning, he goes over and over and over again, I pranam to this one, I pranam to this one, I pranam to this, because you don't know who anybody is. And in his stories, it's like, it's very clear that you don't know why they're here and people who even look like they're bad people, that they're under a curse and that who they really are is not who, you, who they look like, or what they appear to be. You don't know who anybody is. When Tawari was here, Whenever he would meet a new person, he would always go like this. He'd pranam and he would mumble something. And when I asked him what he was doing and what he was mumbling, he said, I bow to you. I pranam to you, Maharaji, in this form that you have taken. And it's like if you're seeing everyone as Maharaji and you just don't know what kind of aspect it is of him, it, the whole world can change. You change the way you look at things and things that you look at change. But it's really true. I, I, we're all so blessed. We're just very, very, very blessed. And he, uh, when Dada was here, I've told this story before. He was out at Montauk with us, which is a place on Long Island where there's ocean all around. And he looked everywhere. He was look. He was looking everywhere outside, like at the ocean. And he was gazing into the ocean for a very, very, very long time. And when he finally came out of whatever kind of state he was in, I asked him what was going on, what was he seeing? And he said, he's so vast, he's so vast. He said, when he was in a body, he was limited. Even though he did so much, he was still limited to that body. He was limited to that form. He said, now he's unlimited and he will touch thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And at that time, I looked at Dada and I just rolled my eyes and I said, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he was right. Look what's happened. Yeah. It's happened. It's happening. So I want to thank you three so much. Thank you. I think we could sit like this for many, many more hours. Yeah. Um, so, Nina, thank you for bringing us together. You know, yesterday we had Bandara and we could only do it with eight people, so we'd have enough space. And 
when I got on here today and started scrolling through and seeing who was here, I realized that my heart just so needed, you know, needed that, needed to connect, even in this strange way that we do now um, with, you know, with so many others of you. So thank you for doing this. This is really a great gift. Thank you. This will just close with a little chant. Mm. And I uh, want to just mention, for those of you who don't know, um, Parvati mentioned some books which are literally brought new life into my life when I read By His Grace. Krishnadas gave that to me early on. And uh, Miracle of Love and The Near and the Dear and... Uh, there's also now an ebook on Krishnadas's website called The Divine Reality that also has beautiful stories of Maharaji. So um, everybody take a look when you can. Shri Ram J Ram J J Ram. Shri Ram J Ram J J Ram. Shri Ram J Ram J J Ram 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 Shri Ma J Ma J J Ma Shri Ma J Ma J J Ma Shri Ma Jai Ma Jai Jai Ma Shri Ma Jai Ma Jai Jai Ma Om Guru Satguru Bhagavan Ki Jai Shri 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 Baba Shri Nim Karori Maharaj Ki
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now.